the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Pastor Dudley is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses in the greater Los Angeles area at Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. We'll be joining Pastor Dudley in just a moment. But first, we want you to know this program is called Lift Up Jesus because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life-changing truth of the gospel. And we do this every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. here on KKLA. No matter where you're listening from right now, in your car or your home or at work, you're about to hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. We believe there is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. We thank you again for joining us tonight. We know you're going to be enriched and encouraged by tonight's program. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message from God's Word. 500 years ago, a German monk, priest, in a Catholic church by the name of Martin Luther in a little tiny town called Wittenberg, Germany, for the sake of discussion purposes, he nailed on the door of the Roman Catholic Church in Wittenberg, a church called the Castle Church, 95 statements or theses of things that he felt needed to be discussed in the Roman Catholic Church, again, of which he belonged. He was a priest in the church. Little did he know that those 95 statements would go viral, so to speak, and become the start and the beginning of what we know now today as the Reformation movement. Now, probably besides the moment that Jesus died on the cross and was buried and resurrected, and back in Acts chapter 2 when the church began 2,000 years ago, Perhaps the most significant moment in Christianity in the last 2,000 years is that moment on October 31st, the year 1517. It is my belief that many of us would not be here today without the events that unfolded on October 31st, 1517. But it's a, factual, it's a factual truth that in that time period, there was only one church, the Roman Catholic Church. Now today, there are tens of thousands of different churches and tens of thousands of different denominations. And oftentimes, it's very confusing to people. Like, what, what's the deal with all these different kinds of churches? And which church and which denomination is the right denomination? The Center for Global Christianity states today that there are 45,000 different denominations in the world today. Methodists, Baptists, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Southern Baptists, Independent Baptists, Presbyterians, Calvary Chapels, 
Nazarene, Foursquare Evangelical, Free Church of God, Worldwide Church of God, First AME Church, Pentecostals, etc. All debating upon which one is the correct one. But back in 1517, there was only one church, the Roman Catholic Church. Now, Martin Luther, he was the priest in the Roman Catholic Church. He works for the Roman Catholic Church. He's ordained in the Roman Catholic Church. And he writes out this 95 thesis, 95 statements that he only wants to have discussions. Let's talk about it. And some people think that he was the one who actually nailed it to the door of the church. Most scholars don't think he was actually the one who actually nailed it to the door of the church. But he wrote these 95 things out. He gave it to someone who was supposed to, to make copies and give it to the scholars of the day and someone probably within two weeks uh, maybe even a janitor got a hold of it and, and not nailed those things to that that door in that castle church in wittenberg germany now there were many things wrong with the church back in those days thus is why he wrote these 95 statements they had many discussions there were many debates he was happy about that but eventually you'll understand why later the Roman Catholic Church excommunicated him. The Roman Catholic Church kicked him out of the Roman Catholic Church. But what you need to know is when he wrote them, he wasn't trying to leave the Roman Catholic Church. He wasn't trying to destroy the Roman Catholic Church. No. What he wanted was to reform the Roman Catholic Church and to get them to go back to where they started, to the original roots that were found in the Scriptures in the book of Acts. Again, he wasn't trying to destroy or leave the church. He was trying to help the church. But the church, the Roman Catholic Church, excommunicated him and kicked him out of the church in 1517. He then becomes what we know today as the head of the Lutheran denomination, named after him. But that's where the Baptists and the Presbyterians and the Methodists and the Wesleyans and all the other denominations, they all came from the events of 1517. And this church, the roots of this church come from the events of 1517 when he broke off, so to speak, from or really got excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church. And all he was trying to do was say, hey, let's go back to where the church, what the church was like when it began. In Acts chapter 2, you can read it some other time. People by the thousands came. They repented and were baptized for the forgiveness of the sins. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they devoted themselves to four things. Number one, to the teaching of the Word of God. Number two, to fellowship. Number three, to the breaking of bread, which we know is communion, which we did here today at church, and to praying. And I always tell people this, go back to the cross. Everybody say, go back to the cross. Don't be offended by what I'm getting ready to say to you. If you go back to when the church began, there were no Baptists. There were no Presbyterians. There was no Episcopalians or Lutherans. Don't be offended by this. There were no Catholics 2,000 years ago. There were only quote-unquote Christians. Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it says that the disciples in Antioch were first called Christians. That's all there were. Again, it took about 300 years, though, for Christianity to evolve into Catholicism. Then the whole world was Catholic for about 11, 1200 years until Martin Luther 
was excommunicated based on these 95 principles from which he was simply trying, he was not trying to get rid of the church, he was just trying to reform and get it to go back to its roots. The church that's found in the Word of God. And that's why churches like this church exist. People ask me all the time, what kind of church do you have? I tell them we're just a New Testament church. We're not affiliated with any denomination. We're simply studying the Word of God and trying to be the church that Jesus called us to be according to these scriptures. Let me ask you this question. Be honest. You're the type of person, you're the type of person that went to church today. Okay, now be honest. You think if you lived in the year 1517, 500 years ago, you'd be the type of person that went to church? What do you think? You're here today. You think maybe you'd have been in church in 1517. Raise your hand if you think you went to church back then. Just be honest, be honest, okay? Let me tell you what church was like 500 years ago. Number one, the service lasted for six hours. Now, how many of you are not so sure? You're not so sure. <laughs> Number two, this is very important. You get this. The entire six hours was in Latin. And you don't understand anything in Latin. You, you did not know, you did not speak Latin. You spoke the German language. So you'd go to church for six hours. You'd sit there the whole service. You wouldn't understand one word that was said. No one would have a Bible because no one had Bibles back in those days. There was only one Bible in the whole church, and it was up on the platform. It was actually chained to the pulpit. And the only person that could read that Bible was the priest. And you wouldn't understand a single word he said. That's what church was like. Martin Luther begins to study the scriptures and he reaches a couple of conclusions write this down number one he decides that people need to have a bible in their own language and the second thing he said he decides is that the bible is a practical book that we should use not just to teach words we should use it to apply what we learn to our everyday living see what good is the bible what good is this book uh, if you learn it, but you never apply it to everyday living. And so Martin Luther was like the first guy who would ever read the Scripture, and then he would take it and apply it to what you were going through today. Okay? For example, he would uh, preach through the book of Genesis, and he would tell the story of Abraham sacrificing his one and only son. Remember Abraham had to take his son and climb up on this mountain and sacrifice his son on the altar? You remember that story? And during that time in Germany... There was a plague going through Germany where, where many people were dying left and right. And people were scared to death. Almost every family had at least one family member who had died in the plague. Martin Luther was the first guy. He would tell the story of Abraham and how afraid and how fearful Abraham must have been taking his son up to that altar to sacrifice. But his faith overcame his fear And so he would then tell the church, whatever you're afraid of in this plague, you don't need to be fearful if you have faith. Your faith will overcome your fear. He was the first pastor to preach like that. 
He took the scriptures and made them come alive. And so he does, uh, he starts to study and, and he translates the Bible into the German language. And at the exact same time, if you look at history, there was the invention of the printing press. And so for the first time, people, the, the common people, not just the priest, but the common people could actually have scriptures in their own native language and actually study for everyday life. Amen. Okay, now this is the most important part. So if you got offended those first two things, let that go. <laughs> and zoom in. Everybody say zoom in. Zoom in on point three. Now, you, you have to give me, I have to give you the background. Number one, remember that for 1,000 or 1,100 years, all the people had was a Latin Bible. That's all they had. So you would come to church and really not understand anything that was being said. Number two, part of the church, the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church, they taught what's a thing called purgatory. Purgatory. What in the world is purgatory? Purgatory is when you die, and everybody's going to die, amen. The Roman Catholic Church taught that when you die, you go to, you don't go straight to heaven. You go to what's called a holding cell, and it's, it's a place that you go, you died, now you're in purgatory. And uh, if you died and you have sins, which we all have sins, you, you don't go to God until in purgatory your sins can be forgiven and the consequences of your sins can be removed when you're sitting there in purgatory before you go meet God. This was a part of the doctrine of the church. Now here's the third thing, write this down. They taught, this is true, you can study this, they taught the selling of indulgences. And what that means is that you would come to church and they would sell you little trinkets. You could buy them, like little bobblehead, uh, Dudley bobblehead dolls. <laughs> that was a joke. But they would have these trinkets that you could buy. Give me some money. I'll give you these trinkets. And what happens is we're selling indulgences. When you give me the money, the sins for your relatives that are in purgatory, their sins can be removed if you buy these trinkets. And Pope Leo X commissioned the selling of indulgences for the purpose of building St. Peter's Basilica that is still in existence. I've been in this building maybe a dozen times. It is the most beautiful structure. It's a little, it's, 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 it's a little too much, but it's, it's amazing. And people come from all over the world to go in there, and that building was paid for by people buying trinkets. The money was used to build that building, but the people were told, if you buy this trinket, the sins of your relatives will be forgiven. That was what was going on when Martin Luther shows up on the scene. And he starts looking around the Wittenberg church there, the castle church, and right outside the church there's a preacher, and the preacher is preaching. He's saying these words. He's saying as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. And he got upset about all that. Write this down. He starts studying the Greek text. And he decides 
again, that he's going to translate the Bible into Germ- the German language, but he has to go back and study the Greek text, not the Latin text, because nobody speaks Latin. He's got to study the Greek text. It was written in Greek. And he comes to this passage in Luke chapter 13. I want to show you this verse. Now, this is in the Greek. It says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all what? Perish. But in the Latin, guess what that says in the Latin? That the Roman Catholic Church taught for 1,200 years. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen the Latin text. It says, unless you pay penance, you will likewise perish. Are you with me? They're taught that the Latin version, because they don't have it in German, that unless you pay penance, you will all perish. So people were paying penance for their sins. They're given money for their sins can be forgiven. But the text says, the Greek text says, unless you repent, you shall all likewise what? Perish. And then number two, write this down. He falls in love with the book of Romans. Oh, he, lo- he falls in love with this book, book of Romans. And he was the one that said, pity the man. Now, who said pity the man? What's his name? Y'all remember Mr. T? What did he used to say? Pity the fool. He got that from Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, pity the fool. Pity the man that wakes up and goes about his day and has spent no time in the book of Romans. Because he fell in love with this book. I want to show you some of the verses that he read that he fell in love with. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I'm almost finished. Can you say amen? amen? He reads, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who what? Who believes. First for the Jew and then the Gentile. Verse 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by by faith. I want you to go over to chapter 3. Go over to chapter 3. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who what who believe down in verse 24 and we are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes to us by Jesus Christ go to verse 28 Romans 3:28 for we maintain that a man this is scripture now this is not what the Roman Catholic Church was teaching but this is what the scriptures teach that we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. You're not saved by observing the law. You're saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. He reads that. Go over to chapter 4. The last two verses, verse 24. He reads this. But also for us to whom God will credit righteousness is for us who believe in Him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead he was delivered over to death for our what for our sins and was raised to life for our what for our justification listen what he reads and write this down he discovers that a man is saved not by doing good works but a man is saved by faith 
and by grace. This is a huge shift because everyone is being taught if you want your sins forgiven, you need to buy these indulgences so your relatives in purgatory can be set free from their sins. Meanwhile, we're going to take the money and we're going to build St. Peter's Basilica. And today, there are people in this room who believe Maybe we don't believe that, but we do believe if we do enough good deeds that somehow our good deeds will outweigh our bad deeds. Remember last week I preached on the fact that you never know when you're going to die? Remember that last week? I said, you, know, you don't know when you're going to die. Remember that? But I had a lady who wrote me a letter who said that her husband was here last week and said he got his heart set on fire during the revival and he came to church last Sunday. And he was so excited, and he, he died suddenly just this last week. I had just said last Sunday, you need to come to Christ because you don't know when, when, you're, when your time's up. You need, if you're not saved, you need to come right now. And that brother had given his life to the Lord, and so he's with the Lord today, right? But you... You say, why are we doing all this? Well, because there are people who are here today, you're going to die. There are people here today who think, when I stand before God, if I've done more good things than bad things, it's like a scale. If I've done more good, and all of you think you've done more good than bad, that just because you've done more good than bad, that God's just going to let you in. And I'm here to tell you, God's not going to just let you in. Because you don't get in based on giving. You don't get in based on good deeds. You don't get in based on being a nice person. You don't get in by going to church. You don't get in by reading your Bible. You don't get in by just being someone who prays. The only way you get in is by the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross when he died on the cross. And you, you end up putting your faith in Jesus. It's not based on what you do. It's based on what he did on the cross for you. And that's what, that's what the Reformation movement is all about. There are five principles. I don't have time to give them to you. You're going to have to look them up yourself. They're all in Latin. You can Google it and you can write them in yourself. I want you to look at the 95 Thesis. Not all of them. I, I, could, I didn't have enough room. I just put a few on here. But here's what Martin Luther says. Look at, let's go down to number 32. There are just a few of these. Those who believe that they can be certain of their salvation because they have indulgence letters will be eternally damned together with their teachers. Now that's kind of heavy, isn't it? Look at number 36. Any truly repentant Christian. How many of you are truly repentant? You have a right to full remission of penalty and guilt even without indulgence letters those letters mean nothing number 37 any true christian whether you're living or if you've died you participate in all the blessings of christ and the church and this is granted to him by god even without indulgence letters now ladies and gentlemen he writes 95 of these things no wonder he got kicked out of the Roman Catholic Church. But here's a guy who is willing to stand up 
in the midst of a big denomination and say, I want to stand on the Word of God and what God teaches. That takes a man of faith. It takes a man of faith to do that. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. As you can tell from his message tonight, Pastor Dudley has a driving passion to talk about Jesus everywhere he goes and with everyone he meets. So often, a person has never heard the life-changing message of the gospel, or perhaps they, at one time, experienced the transformation that is only possible through Jesus Christ, but now they're discouraged or in need of hope. If that is you, we invite you to reach out to us right now and let us pray with you. Our toll-free number is easy to remember. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We have prayer counselors standing by and ready to take your call. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.